So I have a story of what happened after we recorded this podcast last week. I went and saw Cocaine Bear. Ooh. And I cannot recommend this movie. It is <laughs> it is a a story that there is a beginning, middle, and end. It is not funny as you would expect it from the trailers and the fact that it's like, you know, Elizabeth Banks is kind of like an established comedic actor. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. It starts the movie with Jane the way that Wet Hot American Summer does as well. And I was like, oh, okay. Man. I'm into this. I'd, I'll be, you know, excited to see what happens. No Wet Hot American Summer cameos, unfortunately. But whatever. I get out of the movie. I go to Chipotle. I have a nice burrito. And then as I am leaving Chipotle, I hear, hey, big man. And, you know, that's that's never a way you want to start a conversation. Right. right? And I just, I keep walking. I'm like, you know, hopefully he's not talking to me. He's probably talking to me. I'm just, you know, it's kind of a, not the diciest part of Portland, but, yeah, you know, there's quite a few people around. Hey, big man. I just keep walking. Hey, big man, let me ask you a question. And he comes up right beside of me. Oh. <laughs> and he goes, hey, let me ask you a question. And I go, no, sorry. And I just keep walking. This sets him off and to where he comes up in front of me to stop me and goes, what are you sorry for? What are you sorry for? And like is aggressively like stopping me. It's raining too. So I have an umbrella in my hand and I do my best to just not react. They don't even talk about this in Cocaine Bear, but like you're supposed to like get aggressive (laughs) and big. Right. You know, you're not supposed to run away. But I just I give him the deadest stare that I can. That, like, I I am paying attention to you, but I am not engaging with you at all. He says some other things, but really the only thing I'm hearing is, what are you sorry for? And I just... Oh, my God. I'm stoic as I can. And then he knocks my umbrella and, like, walks the other way. And I just, like, quickly just keep zooming. Like, I'm going home. And it was, like, five to ten minutes later, Jesus. as I'm still walking home from 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 this encounter it dawns on me had any of this gone wrong cocaine bear would have been my last movie on earth <laughs> with oh. chipotle being my meal afterwards and i really started thinking about like the choices that i make in my life oh my god and whether or not i should really like put put forth my time to better uses than cocaine bear wow jesus christ well, right. I guess Fun I'll, stuff. I'll know why you like, why you just have been to veto certain picks of this podcast from now on. You're just like, <laughs> no, I'm gonna die someday. I don't want to have fucking nope. wasted time seeing. Not that gonna shit. do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then uh, equating to what we'll talk about later, I immediately went onto the internet and then bought this oh, as wow. as they have in all of the you know big action movies, just to you know have on me. Sure, you never know. Oof, man. That's, uh, God, it could happen just like, I mean, do you have any inclination as to why he made a single view out? Just No, I I was just coming out of Chipotle and he needed something, oh. you know, it could have been, like, he didn't necessarily look home houseless. Yeah. Uh, he did not look the most straightforward. He could have been like some kind of a, a drug addict, but it was, it was definitely like, I don't think uh i have what you want i'm just gonna keep walking oh boy jesus hey you know what that guy he could have been uh check this could out. have been a fan 
Could have been a you fan never know. Of he could have, That's one thing. Yes, he just wanted to give. He could have been like, "Hey, are you are you that guy from that <laughs> podcast?" And I just I blew him off. Right. Yeah. I'm such a big shot. Mm-hmm. Such an elitist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus. That's uh, true. I, that guy could have been in some sort of altered state. You know, like uh, it's very possible he had just spent a couple hours in the isolation tank and was hallucinating. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> he had he had some sort of ethnic, uh, you know, Hitachi Indians. It's yes. not Hitachi because uh, that's hin- a different uh, thing. Hinchy, Hinchy Indians. Hinchy, definitely not the Hitachi. Well, well, yeah, um, <laughs> the Hinchy Indians. Yes, he was accompanied by a uh, bunch of Hinchy dancers and skull masks, and you know, right. Oh, yeah. but only he could see them at <laughs> exactly. the time. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, after that harrowing story, Jesus, welcome to uh, the Weekly Podcast Massacre. Uh, I am your host for this week. My name is Greg, and uh, every month in this podcast, we pick a different theme to discuss horror movies. And for May, or no, what is this, April, uh, we are doing Altered April 2, which means we're looking at movies with a plot involving drugs and illicit substances, and primarily focused on hallucinogens and psychedelics this year. Uh, with me is my co-host. Hi, I'm Michael from Portland, but everyone calls me Murphy or Big Guy, or Big depending guy. on what yeah. it is. See, that's another thing. And I know they've <laughs> talked about this on Doughboys. Like, if you're going to start a conversation with someone, hey, big man, or yeah. hey, big, big It's not usually the way to no. just, you know, jump off. Like, it's going to start me kind of already defensive. Sure, exactly. Because it's, it's, it's like weirdly, I mean... Uh, it's a put down as much as like a weird disguise as kind of half a compliment sure. or something, you know? It's yeah. Weird, yeah. It's a weird establishment of like status somehow, you know? I don't know. That I He's get trying that. to put me in my place. Yeah, exactly. Strange, man. Maybe he just didn't like the way you were eating your burrito, you know? That could have been. <laughs> That's true. I saw that you got guac on the side. How dare you not put that inside the burrito? Yeah, exactly. Come on, man. He's just a traditionalist, I, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, uh, we're glad to have you around Safe and Sound. Jeez. Um, <laughs> uh, this week, we are discussing um, a film from 1980. One that I had been wanting to see for a long time before I picked it for this podcast. Um, talking about uh, Altered States, starring William Hurt. Directed by Ken Russell, uh, about a, a Harvard scientist that decides to experiment with sleep deprivation, or not sleep deprivation, uh, sensory, sensory deprivation in conjunction yep. with ayahuasca, essentially. And he gets so high that, you know, I, we've all been here before. He transcends time, space, and the physical form. I mean, like, mm-hmm. it has happened to all of us, you know. <laughs> where you, you realize <laughs> you've turned yourself into a single cell organism yes exactly who hasn't done that yeah yeah so i found this movie very relatable first of all uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> so before we talk about altered states in depth though uh we'd like to give recommendations for non-horror books movies tv it, it can be horror too but it's not a horror movie is typically how i look at this as well uh so yeah we'll start with murph you saw cocaine bear I did see Cocaine Bear. Very disappointing. Yeah. Uh, I, I've I've tried to go to quite a few movies, but one I did see that I really enjoyed was on Amazon Prime. It was leaving soon, so I was like, okay, let me watch this. It was At Close Range. Okay. It was like a family crime drama from early 80s, I want to say. It was Sean Penn, 
as the lead role is like a young, uh, you know, pre-18. And Christopher Walken is his estranged crime boss father. Oh, love and it. And they like reconnect. Um, it's just, it was really well directed. Like it starts falling off towards the, the third act and like the end was just really not satisfying at all. But there was so many like interesting choices I thought that were made throughout. And it felt almost like a Terrence Malick movie at times yeah you know what i think i may have seen parts of this i don't think i saw the entire thing uh but one of the things that kept yeah i have seen part of because i I remember chris penn is in it too yeah because that's what i was about to say yeah sorry Uh, (laughs) a young chris penn is a fucking smoke show in this movie i had pretty much only uh seen him in reservoir dogs so if that's really your only like knowledge of Kristen to see right. him like young long hair long curly hair he's kind of buff i'm like god damn he looks yeah he looks really good oh yeah i remember it, it being a, a shock to realize that it was actually him when i was i caught yeah, his I mean, rest TV. in peace yeah Chris, seriously like uh, so you haven't seen true romance no, I have seen True Romance. Oh, yeah, but he's like, one of the underco- he's, he's one of the cops at the end, and he's really fucking I, I, you funny know, in that. But he's I mean, still he kind of like a yeah, big guy. He looks the same as he it's does him in Reservoir Dogs. It's yeah. him and Tom Sizemore, both right. of them now. Yeah, R.I.P. to both, I guess. Yeah, all the Sizemore. Yeah, uh, Sizemore's life seems seismic. I will, I'll just say. So yeah, <laughs> that's, I mean, look, that's a good it's way the R.I.P. It. anyway. Um, yeah. But that, yeah, I've seen parts of that. I remember really liking it, and I was, I was coming into it late, so I didn't watch the whole thing because I was, like, genuinely interested in it. So, uh, well, hopefully it's not gone. Maybe I could sneak it in, too, before it's gone. Uh, but I know what your recommendation is because I also saw this movie as well. Yeah, uh, I have uh, a few others. I'll, I'll just do it real quick. But uh, finished the Resident Evil 4 remake and uh, twice now, and it's incredible. If you were at all into the Resident Evil series or were at one point liked four, or even if you're new to it, like it's still a pretty decent jumping on point for anybody. So highly recommend Resident Evil 4 remake. They just took uh, what was already a masterpiece, polished off some edges, added a spin of their own, you know, here and there, and it works out great. Um, does not like, you know, overshadow the original in any way. It's just kind of a nice addendum to everything. Uh, so great game, loved it. I've um, also been working through uh, this that Shawscope set I have. So right in the middle of watching the Boxer from Shang Tung, which is uh, a very interesting kung fu movie. It kind of doesn't follow the typical format. It's pretty much like a rags to riches story. You start out with this like young vagrant who is um, barely scraping by, can usually not afford to stay in like hostels and things like that, is sleeping on the streets. Starts getting into random fist fights on the street, ends up beating up enough gang members to start establishing a you know, like some territory of his own, and it's a really fascinating story of how his morals are degrading as he gets more and more money. It seems very mm. critical of like a, this kind of capital element going around here, um, but yet not not the usual plot you'd see in like a seventies kung fu film. I feel, but really liking okay. that. Uh, but yeah, so then the big thing, I, John Wick Chapter Four. We, we talked for about a minute and a half about it before we started recording. And I I loved this movie so much. Um, it was three hours long and did not feel like it at all. You know? Oh, I disagree. Oh, man. See, this is... Oh, God. But then See, that's you ta- like, we talk about Avatar 2 and that movie felt 
10 years it, it was i again i would i i want to go rewatch avatar oh. again while it's still in theaters i i would get to these moments i'd be like i'm so i'm enjoying this movie so much how much longer are we gonna do this like when it was when i realized it was about like oh we're ending the first act right, right. now and i look at my watch and i'm like we're about an hour into the movie that's the thing to keep Yikes. thinking about it. You just got to get swept up in the costumes and the extravaganza, you know. Like, I, you know, and that's that's part uh, of it. It all looked really cool. It's again, it's cool. Yeah. See, I never felt there were times I I, I thought about like, okay, how much longer? But then I realized I didn't care, or that was that I would be excited if I realized like structurally you're probably only like halfway through right now. That would be right. like, hell yeah, like shit. If there's enough, you know, stuff like this, right, then that's fine. Yeah. One of my issues with it, and it, like it comes to the length of it, is they would do something and then just repeat that thing again. Like there is a point where he's he's basically fighting to kind of like it's all a video game, honestly. Yeah. After a while, <laughs> but there was a part where he's fighting two like of the suit guys, the like kind of taller brutes with nunchucks, and he takes out two of them. And then automatically he fights two more. Right, yeah. And then he just fights two more of them. But then he, because he's and showing off like, different moves and choreography and tactics, and those guys are different. They have different body types. It all, I don't know. It's like, it's it's cool to see each time. And it's not like he's, you know, there's differences in there. And the environment changes. And I know changes. there was, I mean, yes, because it's like, hey, we can't decide which one we want to do. Let's just do all of them. I mean, yeah. And right. I feel exhausted <laughs> by the end of it. Uh, I know one thing that you like is the like top level camera thing, yeah. and I was like, "This is really cool." And then they go out of it for like twenty five to thirty seconds, and then they do it again. And I'm just like, "You didn't, you didn't need to go back there." Yeah, you did. You, I'm sure why not? Because it, it, it changes. You change floors. The guys are doing different things. I don't. It just feels like it's the progression of the action scene. You know, like they. It's great, and the way the camera follows them through all of that. Anyway, going back mm-hmm. to it, I don't know. It's just it never. Honestly, I'm not even joking. That was the part where I just like I sat there slack jawed and like tears in my eyes because I was like amazing. Um, I was not I, I was not in any sort of uh, hinchy Indian you know mushroom potions while watching this, but I did think that that part of the movie felt. Uh, it, I'm not even I, I I it made me think back to 2001: A Space Odyssey. Just the combination of the way the colors were moving across the screen and the way the music yeah. was influencing it. Just like it all felt very swirly. The camera's kind of spinning above them at times. And it just felt like you're descending you're, or you're, you're being pushed through just some sort of like insane action, uh, you know, color space like in 2001 A Space Odyssey or something. Then it, it, it might be a bizarre connection to make. But it just had a similar effect on my mind, I would say, of like, well, this is actually very trippy the way this is all being handled. And so right. I think when when you're that that mind frame, you don't care how many times they start and stop it, I guess. I you know, and it's not that I don't like the movie. I gave it four out of five. I you know, I really liked a lot of it. Uh mm-hmm. I think Donnie Yin is probably the best part of the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just thought he was so fantastic. The part where he's eating in the shadows like when yeah. he's first before he really does anything and he's just his people are dying around him and he's still eating i'm like yeah. i love this this is great scott adkins is is as the penguin in this movie for some reason just oh uh, 
Yeah. That I I absolutely love. Like this I, made I feel me like think I just about com- our our conversation about like p- people in fat suits. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, no, no. Like I don't care if you got someone as fat as that guy to play. Like no one's gonna do it as well as he's doing it. Right. And again, with the physicality of like him fighting as well. I love that too. Well, I, I I think it just fits into the weird theme of the world where literally everybody is an assassin and is trained and is deadly. Sure. You know, even guys with that body type, you know, which we've seen before. And we saw the sumo wrestlers earlier too. So it's like, yeah. it's not even a new thing to the John Wick franchise. And in those cases, they did cast like guys of size to play the sure. sumo wrestlers so that, you know, you get a, you get a mix of like the actual thing and then this sort of fantasy version with him. Yeah. It, it just comes down to, like, oh, what nationalities haven't we used yet? Okay, the French. So right. We're gonna have the French bad guy. Who Bill Sartre's got, like, love him. I did, he was I not, think, like, doing was, it for me. I thought he was one. fine. I, I think it... Fine, yeah. It's maybe not enough of an escalation from the villain from 2. You know what I mean? Like, I needed yeah. him to go, maybe go more over the top with it. I mean, he's... And for Bill Skarsgård, that's not a difficult thing to do so it kind of no i like you know, the tracker yeah. and the dog guy oh, man. Like, he was, I thought he that was, was great fun. i was a little wary at first of that character because the way they established him was just kind of like you know okay another mysterious badass to come in on top of donnie and on top of you know um like the other like big heavy coming after john i was like that's this is a lot of this is maybe one too many characters in this thing but nothing i was continuously impressed by how fucking cool he was and just he literally is just the man with no name, essentially, kind of plucked out of, like, a Sergio Leone movie and put into John Wick, you know? Yeah. Like, anytime he shows up, you get the Morricone-esque score, and then you have, like, the quick draw stuff, and then you get the added benefit of the, of the dog. Like, I don't know. It was literally just, it could have been annoying on top of everything else going on to have this, like, running subplot with him, but I thought that he's so he's so cool that it he kind of don't care, you know? Um, now I will say too, like my, obviously there are little things with it that kind of, you know, will bump you here or there. It's like, okay, well, it's pretty convenient that this is now a rule in this world. You know what I mean? But <laughs> I, I think it's so, it's such, uh, it's, a, it's, I recently recorded a podcast about Kung Fu Hustle on the great Nashville CA podcast. And we were talking about how that movie, Stephen Chow's like love letter to Kung Fu movies. Right. And if you break down all those actors each one of them has legendary kung fu films to their names and they were all really big deals in hong kong and a lot of those references are lost on western audiences because we don't have the same exposure to those types of movies but it still works it's still a great movie on its own even if you don't get every single reference and every single little meta joke and thing like that right i think john wick 4 works a lot the same way it's referencing like 10 million different things Things from like, oh, the myth of Sisyphus, you know, and like Dante's Inferno and also the good, the bad and the ugly and also all these great samurai films. And, you know, um, like, of course, it's it's always been sort of a take on uh, like 70s crime movies, too, you know, like like a Lee Marvin point blank or something. So anyway, I just think that John Wick is great in that sense, that entire franchise of, like, it's all a love letter to these, like, very specific genre movies, but they're still great sure. on their own as movies. And I think this one's just the greatest combination of things and, you know, it's, uh, It is some of the best action. I yeah. I just wish that, like, sometimes the story, I'm just like, this is real dumb. 
and oh, yeah. I get it. Like that's you don't, you don't need too. a lot. It's just it's a thread to yeah. get to the next action scene. I well, but, I said I don't know how much of a thread it is because it's like they put so much work into building out this dumb world, and it is dumb. But I think they play up the comedy of that at times in really fun ways. Like even just hiring Clancy Brown as a character named the Harbinger. It's like, you know, you're being ridiculous and over the top, you know, but it's like they do it earnestly. It's like an earnest camp. You know what I mean? And sure. Clancy Brown is fucking great at that. He's perfect for that. So I, I, I whispered to Brittany as we were watching. I was like, that's Mr. Krabs. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yes. Anyway, we talked about it enough. Love John Wick 4. Highly, highly recommend. It's pretty good. Loved it. Yeah. You're not going to see too many better-looking movies in theaters I agree. right now. Yeah, it's fucking gorgeous. Unless you still got Avatar in there, and I'm going to go see it again Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. You just had this experience where, like, how have I been spending my life? And <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go. This made you want to go see again. Avatar a third time. Yeah, yeah. No fourth, baby. God. All right, that guy that guy I hired to harass you inside of Chipotle <laughs> didn't do his job, man. This is what it was about. It was try- trying to scare me straight. <laughs> okay, let's right, talk let's about, talk about drugs. States. Maybe I am just uh, stalling for time on this one because there truly was a moment during this where I, I did not watch it high. Um, but there was a point in this where it's like, this would have like annihilated my mind and given me a panic attack if i had watched this too high i think yeah uh yeah yeah uh you had seen this before right i had back in the day uh just once i believe yeah nothing really special like after that south park episode i was like what is this let me try to find out what this is referencing and then rewatch it i i looked it up it's the caesar uh the dog whisperer episode it is? Oh, yeah, he's like, yeah. He's training Cartman. Right. It's like, is the name <laughs> of the episode. And then at the end of it, like, he's trying to he's trying to break through the conditioning right. that has been set in him. Okay, so you know doing, what? Like, the I did, I remembered, the wall. yeah, I, when, he, when I saw the banging on the wall, I did have, like, a f- memory of something, of South Park doing this, but I couldn't remember who, mm-hmm. what character it was, and what the context was. So thank you for that. That is very, very yep. funny. Because I always thought that scene was great, but I had no idea what it was referenced to, and then I pretty much direct reference. Yeah, yeah it, it didn't hit till right now. Like that connection fully formed. Okay, that's awesome. Fuck yeah, uh, God, I've been wanting to go back and watch older South Park again. The, some for some reason, new stuff doesn't interest me. It's well, I mean, society has gotten fucking insane. Yeah, so and there were times it's like hard to satire. There was just a period insanity. where, like, it's like there. I, I was just getting tired of their like takes on things. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, well, you know, once you get a billion dollars, you're yeah. kind of a conservative, regardless right. of it's what like, you're doing. But it's like every episode I had to deal with some current issue, and it's like, yeah, when when yeah. it's so bad, and we're just like, oh, we're gonna great, we we'll have to make a bunch of comedy out of this horrible shit. You know, and try to be edgy with it. Like, I would, yeah. yeah. So, the new stuff, eh, but older stuff, I, I want to go back and, yeah. I feel like they do amazing parodies. Again, I'm stalling to not talk about this movie more because, one, it's con- how do you even talk about it? And two, like, it genuinely uh, unnerved me. So, all right. It's directed by Ken Russell and um, stars William Hurt as Eddie Jessup. We have Blair Brown as Emily, his wife. Uh, Bob Balaban. 
returning mm-hmm. champion, but uh, in front of the camera this time, Bob Balaban as Arthur Rosenberg. And then in Another a Another returning champion. Uh, wait, where's our other one? Uh, a, a surprise Larroquette shows oh, up. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh. Who was also, he was in one of the other movies we've covered, and I can't think of it right now. Where he was again just a like a tiny small part, right in the yeah. movie. Oh man, he didn't. I don't think he did the intro for our Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. No, it's, it's not one. about that one. Um, just keep going. And I I'll can't remember. Out. Yeah. So and then we also have another character, Mason, played by. He's good. Uh, oh God, I had the actor's name. I thought. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. Charles Hayde. Charles Hayde, thank you. Uh, Charles Hayde, and then a, another surprise, Drew Barrymore as Margaret Jessup, yep. one of the daughters, Charles White Eagle as the Brujo, who uh, I loved in this. All right, um, to get into the plot of it, this was, or a little bit behind the scenes, I, I meant to say, this was a book uh, written by Patty Chayefsky, who also wrote the script. Um it came out about because he was discussing with some friends uh, a project they wanted to to make a movie. It was and Cat he... People. Larry oh, was in Cat People. That's right. Oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah, just popping up on everything these days. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So uh, it came out because Chayefsky and a couple of friends were like wanting to make a movie together. They had at first discussed an idea similar to Frankenstein, like a take on Frankenstein. But eventually, Chayefsky said, you know what? I actually want to do a Jekyll and Hyde story. So, yes. at the root of it, that's what this movie kind of is. That's sort of where it starts. And um, I didn't look this up, but I was, like, understanding that from the get-go. Yeah. Like, this is a Jekyll and Hyde. Instead of evolving into, like, an- another person, like, you're devolving. You're going yes. backwards. Right, but this idea of this, like, civilized man becoming, like, the antithesis of that. You know, going through this, like, this change into something more bestial and primal. And kind of like, but it's still a part of you. It's It was inside of you, and you're just, like, unleashing this beast inside kind of a thing. Um, but the Frankenstein elements still remain in some way, too. Just the idea of just, like, the view of the scientists in this movie, I feel, is very nihilistic. You know, because like Bob Balaban and, and uh, Charles Hayde will be like, oh, the, you know, uh, we're fucking with nature here. This is incredibly dangerous. Smash cut to they're sitting in on the next experiment doing it yet again after he yeah. exploded into a vortex like the, the day before, you know. They have uh, such good chemistry together. I they love do. there's like yeah. multiple scenes where they're talking over each other. Mm-hmm. And it's just fantastic. Like, I really love their... Yeah, yeah, just their chemistry. Everything so, that was going on between them. Talking about that, that's interesting because, like, um, and this is the last bit of background before we'll get into the plot proper, but Chayefsky was super overbearing on the set of this movie. They had fired the previous director and brought in Ken Russell, and Chayefsky was like, well, I'm going to be there every day on set. I'm going to be." He was giving notes on every performance and piece of direction Ken Russell gave, supposedly. So eventually Ken Russell had him kicked off set and was just blatantly ignoring Smart. him and, and stuff like that. So uh, apparently they still shot the script as close as they could, but it was so abstract at points and so wordy and so dialogue heavy 
that Russell was like, we just have to have two characters speak at once. It's going to be such a long movie if we give them space to actually speak. So he that yeah. overlapping dialogue, he would just put actors in a room and they would essentially shoot like the entire thing at once. If that makes sense, especially that mm. that drink, that scene where they're at the bar and he start and they're she's talking about baboons while he's discussing the experiment. That was supposed to be spaced out, but they just did it overlapping, and it creates such a cool effect. Yeah, that's another scene where I'm like, are we covering like some of the greatest drunk acting? Yeah, in oh, yeah, cinema yeah. history, because all of all of them are drinking. Like Hurt's going crazy, yeah. but also Charles Hay, like as Mason, like just telling him he's full of shit is so good. Dude, he, as well. he's amazing in that. Yeah, um, that scene too was pretty. Uh, was pretty interesting because i that was one of the that was kind of the last straw i think for russell when it came to chayefsky because chayefsky hated how he was shooting that and he was just like you're having an act so drunk and he's like they're out drinking <laughs> like yeah so they got drunk and he's gonna that, go on his rant because he's drunk and you know is like full of himself at this moment another problem i had with cocaine bear those kids do cocaine they don't act like they're on cocaine <laughs> what the fuck elizabeth banks get your shit together yeah, come on. All right, on. continue. So, uh, yes, yeah, so what we get then is, again, it supposedly is pretty accurate to Chayesi's script, but Ken Russell eventually got rid of his influence, injected so much of himself into it, especially in the hallucination scenes. Um, how much of Ken Russell's other movies have you watched? I've seen a few. I know I looked it up, but I cannot recall off the top of my head. I can look yeah. that up as well. So his biggest movies are probably um, Women in Love and then uh, The Devils. Like, Women in Love like won a bunch of Oscars in its day, and it's like this acclaimed drama. Um, I think it was an early case of like male nudity in mainstream movies as well. Um, he also did oh, Tommy. Oh, I've seen Tommy. Yeah, I've seen Tommy. I gotta see Tommy. We talked about that last week. Um, that might be it actually he has done like he's got 75 directing credits he just he worked so much uh pretty late into his life um so he's made everything from like you know biographies of of various composers like lots of biographies of composers to documentaries for tv to a short film that premiered on comedybox.tv called ein kitten for for hitler yeah in 2007, A Kitten for Hitler, a short film he made that was tr- where he was, as, I'm not even joking, trying to get canceled, essentially. Like, he took a challenge to, like, make the most offensive thing he could think of. <laughs> uh, so, very strange guy, but really interesting. Uh, very Like a young John Waters. <laughs> I think he uh, is a bit older by a couple of decades, but yeah. Um <laughs> So he injected, like, so much of his interest into all this stuff. Like, uh, I've also seen Layer of the White Worm, which has a lot of very similar, like, religious and sexual imagery in it. Um, and has these insane LSD, like, kind of, like, acid trip scenes a little bit. Um, and then I've seen The Devils, which is so famous for being controversial, but I honestly can't tell you anything that happens in that movie. It didn't hmm. really stick with me, but I, I might need to give it another shot. I may have watched a censored version, but I'm not certain. Um, so anyway, I like Russell, and I think that he injects this movie with a type of, like, uh, his warped mind is the perfect one to visualize these trips that he's going on. You know what I mean? 
Um, but it's it's not even just the trips. Like there are some really great shots throughout. Yes. Like especially at the end after everything happens, and they bring him back. It's like uh, Mason and Emily was right. was the the actress or the the character's name, and it's like after they set him down on the bed. It is pretty much just a one shot, like outside of the windows of the apartment. Oh, I love that one. It goes from that bedroom to the kitchen, and then it goes into the living room, and they're far away, and then she comes to the window. And then get it. It was all so well done. It's framed with the brick wall in the kitchen, the curtains in the living room. Like, yeah, I love that. It's that was really awesome. Good. I mean, that's the other thing is yes, all the the, the the cinematography outside of the visions is so fascinating too, and often just as surreal. It's like all those crazy yes. backlit shots, you know, like the, the uh, first time Emily sees him when he's yeah. coming into that party, and it's just like the long hallway with his silhouette with just that like blinding light behind him, and the doors and, playing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> great. And I mean, we really should talk about how fucking hot John, uh, how fucking hot Hurt is in oh, yeah. this movie. Oh, well, he's a handsome guy, but this is this is literally his film debut, and he could not look better. Like mm-hmm. he he's amazing, and he's the type of person where you talk, you completely understand Emily's obsession with him. Where just from second one, she's like, well, this guy, the way he's been talked up by uh, by Arthur yeah. before he even comes in. And then seeing how fucking hot he is when he's standing there and he's mysterious and like, you know, uh, and like a, like a tortured genius. It's like, yeah, literally everything but this guy is appealing. I, I, I understand it, you know. Uh, funny enough, I just get so I can get this out right now. Uh, Blair Brown was in a show that I watched uh, on Fox fringe i don't know if you ever oh saw yeah it. i know fringe yeah i haven't seen it um, but i know it she was like this older kind of mysterious maybe evil character but ash you know it's in the like uh 2010s or something so she's 30 plus years older than what yeah. i'm seeing her in this movie and the in fringe even in like the pilot it's about uh a woman's trying to communicate with a dead person so they put her in an isolation tank and oh, hook her wow. up to like wires and give her a bunch of LSD so oh. that she can enter the consciousness <laughs> of a dead person. Great. So it was just funny. But then to like see, to know her from Fringe and then see her in this. And she is a real cutie in this movie. And oh, we yeah. get like a lot of like very revealing shots of her throughout. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, okay, so. Uh, to go a little bit beat by beat, but quickly, because um, a lot of these I can't even describe. Uh, we begin <laughs> with a little bit of a, of a, a voiceover from. Uh, so weird. Bob Balaban. Balaban. Yeah, yeah. So weird I kind of like starts it. this way. But basically telling, saying that, you know, introducing the Eddie Jessup, he's this brilliant scientist doing, they're just messing around. They just have access to a deprivation tank suddenly. So they're they're testing some theories out and uh they've been testing students but eddie decided to do it himself on a summer day in what was it april of 1969 it, i think 67 67. 67 i think but uh have you ever done a sensory deprivation tank no i have not i've been wanting to check it out but yeah, I, I have weird ear problems so like mm. getting in water is very weird I do love just the look of the vertical tank. Love it. The vertical tank is great. I mean, the blue solution, the way he's floating, it's very, like, 
utero based imagery i would say like this is how we're starting yeah. and then he's pulled out of it and he's he says i hallucinated like a son of a bitch he talks about how he saw mainly visions of revelations and witnessed his and re-experienced his father's death although he doesn't remember that part he cried for a part of it he has no memory of Pretty shortly after, we go to Arthur's where he's throwing a party. I love that everyone's just casually smoking pot. That's just, you know, I, I hey, love it. That, that little bit 60s. of realism that everyone's just passing a joint around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's telling Emily about the experiment a little bit and talking about Dr. Jessup, who then arrives as the doors is playing. And there's a brilliant white light following him inside as he's standing in the, in the doorway. Beautiful shot. She's instantly, like super into him you could tell you know she's yeah. great in this i think she's uh, she's really good yeah she's awesome she has some wild pieces of dialogue i mean everyone does but like there's parts of it that get so crazy and yet she still makes it believable that one of my issues with it is it's at, it's at sometimes overwritten yeah oh like, absolutely little parts where it hurts like yeah but i'm supposed to be crazy like okay you you're just telling us you're a nutso chayeski was also a playwright and I think there is right. some very, like, overly theatrical dialogue in this. Um, like, it feels like a stage play at times. Like, the you know, there's a whole thing, too, where they're in the kitchen talking pretty early on. And she's like, oh, as a rule, you don't like to talk about your work, right? And he's like, not if I can help it or something. And then later on, right after they've had sex, she says, as a rule, yet again. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, like, an intentional callback, if this is, like, a quirk of the character, or if that's just, like chesky as a playwright being like adding in like these sort of a little sort of, flair a little flair right. yeah um i could feel very but written at times yeah they hit it off so well that like they're just walking they they leave the party and are just right. like flirting and he's like i want to take you home no, let so me know not, whenever we can they're not exactly so it, that switch is very interesting they're talking about schizophrenics because that's what they're both um He's he's experiment he's like researching schizophrenics. She's researching animals in particular, but like she's an anthropologist, yeah. yeah. So uh but he's talking about his theories about schizophrenics just being a different state of mind, right? That the the body physical body is then trying to attune to and like reflect, you know. And then suddenly just listen, can I uh can I, you know can I take or can I can we go home together? It's like it's such a yeah. f- sudden like flip of a switch. It is like talking about the work gets him excited, you know, more so than actually being with her. Um, so, yes, hard cut to the most horrifying first sex scene you've ever seen. Like, just scary violin music being played. Or it's all, heart. like, it's fiery red, like the lighting it's on It's a them. great score. Well, they're, yeah. well, like, she has a roommate, so they're like, well, we gotta fuck on the couch. Yes. And, uh, and then it cuts to the, yeah, and then there's a space heater. Like right. an old looking space that is, and that is just... ca- <laughs> casting fire and brimstone all over them. Yeah. And basically, as soon as he's coming, he's like looking <laughs> at the space heater and she's like, what are you thinking about? God, Jesus, resurrection, crucifixion, like all that. Like, it's, oh, okay. it's, yeah, it's crazy. And she is, I, I love that. Um, I talked about that, that the scientists in this being this, like, you know, a sort of nihilistic take on them, like a Frankenstein-esque take. I like that. Uh, this is one of the movies I'm, I'm most glad I watched it twice for the podcast because the first time I feel like some of it just washed over me. And then watching it a second time, knowing the whole thing, like I was able to pick up on early characterization that they do for Emily. 
she is just as warped about this stuff as he is at times. But he's interested in the you know in the the theory of altered states. She he's interested in expanding human consciousness, et cetera, et cetera. As an anthropologist, she's interested in him. He's the subject that she's right. obsessed with, and it's the scientific nature about her. She's experimenting on her own by even having sex with them, right? Because it's yeah. like it's it's a study for her too. And then she describes yes. her findings, like you know. And- and it's not very like shortly after this where she's like we've been i've been the girl in your bed for two months and she's like we should get married right it's crazy like she pushes him into that so quickly and no he even says i'm uncomfortable with it at one point yeah and even like at the end of the movie when she's talking about it's like why do i love this guy like as I've tried with like anybody else, if they're if I'm in their bed, if I'm walking down the street with them, if I'm holding their hand, I'm still thinking about William Hurt yeah. and those firm buttocks that he has, <laughs> with or without the gorilla feet, like you yeah, know, either seriously. or. So um, he tells her this after their first sex scene. To go back a little bit, he tells her oh, about yeah. his father's death. Um, well, that he he's, used to see visions. Yes, he had. He would see visions, religious visions, Jesus a lot, and the crucifixion in particular. He kept seeing them until he was about eleven, uh, or starting at eleven, and until he was sixteen or something like that. I think it was nine to sixteen. Yeah, there and you then go. After he watched his father die, right? A, a apparently horrible death that, like, on his deathbed, he whispered to him, "Terrible." Yes, that he was like in pain and dying he was like oh and all the all the vision stopped immediately right so then uh it's kind of interesting so i i like that this sets up his journey where he hears from his father that the end is terrible right and this movie to me is partly like a hunt for purpose like a hunt for the reason of existence and things like that right and about truth yes that's what, that's what they keep refer- referring and so to he is on a journey to find out, well, the end is terrible. What's the beginning like? What was was the beginning? Was there anything at the beginning that could tell me what the truth of existence and, and life is? And he finds out no. Uh, so it's a it's a very nihilistic, <laughs> brutal movie, but there is an optimism in that brought about by Emily's character who right. acts as this... About like, the present. Yes, about this emotional center of saying like, well, I love you and that's what fills my life with purpose and that's the reason for it, you know? Um, which is very touching at the end of the day. So, yeah, but the great line, though, so the end was terrible, and for good people like my father, the purpose of our suffering was just more suffering. Uh, very grim. <laughs> so then uh, he goes back into the tank after giving a speech. Uh, this is where we have the first insane hallucination scene. Um, probably my favorite. There's a lot of crazy stuff throughout, but nothing quite like a spider-eyed goat on on oh, a right. cross, crucified the on a cross. goat being crucified, yeah. right? I mean, he's got a muscular human body, but uh, amazing visual. And the oh, way that it's he? all cut in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's great, like, the way... The editing in it's really fantastic, but it's like we're, we're seeing Hurt's face, and then it kind of, like, transitions to there's all these yeah. fish behind him. And then we get him as like a young boy with his father. Yes. And there's always burnt. There's so much religious imagery. Right. In like it his father pops that, up in bed and like does a, yeah. does a cross pose and then a flaming cross like appears over him. Yeah. 
it's a it's another one of those things like i don't believe but i love the stories and all of totally. the imagery yeah of, and like, like catholicism makes, religion and this makes a good case that if you were a person seeing this stuff this vividly back then and you describe it to yeah. others they might believe it it's like uh, it kind of makes sense God to me speaking to you right because right. what other explanation for is there for the shit you're fucking experiencing and seeing you know like it feels so outside of yourself and like it does mm-hmm. call back to like a greater thing speaking yeah absolutely uh so the goat gets slaughtered we see him and emily, ha- emily having sex it's much more explicit than the sex scene we even saw before like you see them all tangled up on top of an altar i think um, is it i don't think it's this one but i think there's one later on where they're almost dressed like white victorian clothes yeah that's the next one and like yeah. eating some kind She's of like eating stuff. ice cream yeah. or something yeah maybe it looks like flesh-colored ice right. cream exactly uh so this one we have her giving the marriage proposal quote-unquote uh she says even sex is a mystical experience for you you carry on like a like a flagonite i feel like i'm being harpooned by a raging monk and then says, you're you're a Faust freak, Eddie. Uh, which is the most playwright thing ever to say to somebody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he's even like, am I that weird in bed? And she's like, yeah. Sh- yeah. Shall I try to change? She goes, no, I kind of like it. So it's sweet. Like, it, a little bit. It's the idea of, you know, uh, understanding their imperfections and loving them, not... Yeah. despite of them but because of them and this is and this is where she says the line too of like there's no there's no truths to life and so all we yeah. have to hang on to is love um it's pretty 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 this apt, is I this think. is all happening a room over from a schizophrenic <laughs> with like electrodes on her head and stuff too like they inject that, her yeah. and she sees god <laughs> she's saying she feels a touch of christ in her heart i think yes um so I, he says yes she even says too, like he's like, hey, he says you're a remarkable person. And I don't want to lose you, and she's like, that's mm-hmm. the closest I'll ever get to a declaration of love. And I'm like, kind of fucked hey, up. Hey, yeah, maybe maybe your self esteem needs a little uh, he, little boost there. He's not a really good person. No, in this movie, no, he's kind not of at an all. asshole. He's very uh, emotionally abusive or like withholding, withholding. I would like, say, is yeah. this intention emotional, emotionally stunted? yeah right yeah mm-hmm. uh but then I, we pretty much get like a hard cut to seven years later right and they don't explicitly say seven years but like another character later on is like god it's been seven years since we've been yeah in, since san, we're francisco. in, this, in san francisco yeah exactly so yeah. arthur and him are meeting up again after a long period of working separately um eddie has access to a new sensory deprivation tank so he's basically pitching to arthur hey we can get back into those experiments and and I love that Balaban's just kind of like yeah sure yeah. I guess and the way that they are following through the house is great too establishing mm-hmm. it, it, yeah um so We're he comes Mason into the meeting well. Mason right oh yeah yeah and the, and the two daughters the reveal that he has kids now yeah mm-hmm. uh, did and did we catch that at the beginning I might have cut you off that one of these child yeah I mentioned it just Drew Barrymore oh, okay yep yeah yeah uh so. He, yeah, we learned they're getting divorced already. <laughs> they're getting separated, at least. He's going to go work in I Mexico. Love, I love the conversation that uh, William Hurt has with Bob Balaban. And Balaban's, it's like, she's like one of the great women that adores you. Like, what are you doing? Right. Why are you trying to fuck up your life? And Hey, he it's meant, not, it's, he, I'm just giving you advice, baby. Yeah, sorry I asked at the end is great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but so he also looks great with the hair and beard. Like that, it's a style that really suits him, and you never would expect it as what Battleband looked like based on how he looks now. Like it's kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, so he uh he explains he's trapped by the ritual of marriage, and that if he's gonna go fucking crazy, if he like has to sit through any more of it, you know, he wants to be on the forefront of discovery again. So um, he says, "Oh, I'm not afraid of that solitary pain." Is a great line he has there. Uh. And he thinks that Emily is. Um, this is where we had the drunk dinner scene, the drunk scene at the bar. He says there's six billion years of genetic memories trapped inside of us. It's in our limbic system, and he's gonna find the fucker. Yeah, it's a, a really good kind of explanation for how instinct came about. That like all of this trauma is trapped within our genes, and that we pass it on to the next generation, and that's yeah. how they learn these things without ever having experienced them before. Yes. He also ties in like an Eastern philosophy to this. He's talking about the Buddha, how right. the greatest power is within ourself. It's there's no external yeah. God. It's literally inside of you. And, and you she's can like that out. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like challenging him. was like, well, you've just replaced God with yourself. Mm-hmm. And he's exactly. like, well, yeah, cause I know myself and I can <laughs> deep, de- you know, delve further into it rather than trying to find something externalized outside of me so he's going to mexico because he has heard from a and yet another uh co-conspirator and all this echeveria is the guy's name and he's played by is i might have been tau pangli i think it's you maybe you said i don't know three scenes maybe yeah uh he's basically just a plot device to get him the drugs um to get him into Mexico. So they go to Mexico to meet the Hinchi Indians who have a ritual involving the first flower, which is a psychedelic mushroom that they use to tap into the unborn soul, which uh, appears out of the crack between nothing. Uh, I just had to write Pretty down this terminology. Yes. Yeah. Um, so essentially he goes down there, he gets approved to do this ritual with them. There's a great creepy backlick shot of him, the Brujo, played by Charles, uh, was it Charles Goodfeather? Oh yeah, when they're entering uh, the yeah. cave, and just like all the white behind, yeah, fantastic. Yes, great shot. So they, they, they come in, and there's music playing, they cut his hand to pour it into the potion, they all drink it first and start tripping. He drinks it, and then, uh, sparks start Fucking going off <laughs> fireworks are happening in yes the cave. i love that look that was so fantastic yeah guys in scroll mass are dancing around a big rock the rock seems to float up in the air like a rocket um which is kind of neat and then he starts seeing a komodo dragon because there's there's paintings on the wall showing that like uh, i guess the implication is the komodo dragon or the not the the monitor lizard when i be a komodo the monitor lizard gave them this mushroom this is what i kind of ah. inferred from from the drawing um uh, but i love seeing when, this yeah when the the lizard and then it turns into his wife yeah and that she's like giving lizard like movements yep while she's, she's naked on the she's ground kind of in like an upward dog yoga position yes yeah it's pretty hot actually <laughs> well <laughs> and then they turn into sand statues oh and yeah then blow away I, that is such a good visual for like two I minutes really love that. yeah yeah for like two minutes we just keep cutting between the, the the sand version of eddie and emily uh 
But yeah, awesome stuff. And it's like, it's not incomprehensible too. Like on a second watch, especially, you really understand oh, yeah. like how thematically the imagery is tied in. This idea of like aging and, and getting older together. You know what I mean? Like kind of in a joint search for purpose until you're both just dust. Like it's kind of an apt metaphor for like a marriage or like a partnership. Um, so he's also like seeing like a nuclear explosion and shit. Uh, a, a lizard wraps itself around his neck. I, I wrote that so much. Of, I was just like rapidly like typing everything I saw. Yeah. Um, but he like wakes up the next day and the and lizard is dead. Yeah, another hard cut to a, a gutted monitor lizard. And I guess I guess they expel him for killing it. Is what it seems like. He he thinks that they set him up. He's like, yeah. I have no memory of doing it, and you didn't see it. They're, they're so. playing a trick on the gringo. Yeah, exactly. But he does take some back to Boston. Right, and it's really weird that he brings it back in a, a Mountain Dew two-liter bottle. I thought that was just kind of funny. You know, I mean, back in the day, you can just walk into a plane with a, a you know a gallon jug of a controlled substance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we then uh, another hard cut to more visions, and this is the most of hell we see. We see tons of people in like these burning, like burning alive, essentially in like this hellish landscape. Yeah. Um, lots of exploding volcanoes and lava. Then he's talking over. He's talking over it. Yeah, right. And this is what, he's in like not a not really a, an isolation tank, but kind of like a cube. Right. Yes. And it's we, it's revealed to be just in the middle of an office, which is kind of cool. Right. And so it's Mason and Balaban. Like, t- and this is again where they're like they're talking over each other, and Mason's like, "What? What the fuck? You guys are dumb." You're, you're like college kids doing Mexican mushrooms in your dorm yeah. room. And Balaban's like, look, why do you think I called you? I can't get him to stop. Exactly. Yes. Uh, he can't get him to stop, but he, he could he could stop. He could say, hey, I'm not going to involve myself anymore. The fact that he keeps showing up shows that, like, everybody has this drive this for, for knowledge, right? Like, we yeah. all want to see this through to the end, even though it's, and it's obviously dangerous. Yeah. It's how charismatic... William Hurt is and like he is crazy yeah. but it is one of those things of like well you, you're very charming like the way you get worked up about his it. passion about it right right uh but yeah that I, I there are some good lines though in that vision where he says the sun became as black as sackcloth the full moon, the full moon became like blood and the great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and the beast ascends from the bottomless pit his name is Abaddon and it's just like a monitor lizard you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, the great line, too, where he's like, you know, hey, you're going to develop cancer, basically, because it stacks in the brain is what we learned about the drug. And he says, no, it's, you know, Hinchy Indians have been taken for generations and there's no signs of cancer. Fuck the Hinchy Fuck Indians. Fuck the Hinchy Indians. Dude, as soon as we come back from Mexico, Mason is a completely, he was already, like, pretty loud and boisterous before this. But he is off the chain from yeah, here on I out really the rest enjoy, of the movie. I enjoy yeah. his performance so much. I I really... The first time I was like, is he a good actor? And then the second time yeah. I was like, oh no, he is a good actor. Exactly. And then when you look into it too, like this was part of why the screenwriter hated what Russell was doing. I think part of it was he allowed the actors... He basically told them, like, be big and be dramatic. And yeah. I don't think uh, the, the writer really understood or really cared for like a performance like this where he is like the obviously cinematic just, version of right, it, right he is just given free reign to go buck wild here 
because he's got like he's there's a line i wrote down because he's the way he says it is so crazy where he says i have offered you the use of my lab and all the rats you can cut that's as far as i want to be implicating your dumb experiments keep your dumb hamburger i gotta date i gotta date too it's so he like rushes through that fast part says hamburger twice like close together and it's kind of (laughs) strange I got you a know, date I'm like, already an hour late for. Yes, yeah. or he's a dumb twice. Dumb experiments keep your dumb hamburger. Like, he's just, it's clearly he's riffing, and but it, it's so good, yeah. But he's he's intrigued. Like, they go and they see a new sensory deprivation tank, one of the, the horizontal ones. It looks like a dumpster. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, we're, well, this is what we're going to start doing. And he, like, that's when he walks away. But then as he's, like, working one day, he's like, well, shit. I'm intrigued. Let me go down. Well, that's and so they're, funny. They're doing it. Yeah. He, he gives that big speech about like, that's as far as I'm implicated, you know, like I, I want nothing to do with it. Hard cut to being like, couldn't stay away. Could you? And he's like, all right, let's just see it. Like I love, we immediately undercut this big moment. He has, um, the, 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 I just like the, the, the interesting editing in this, like that, like a lot of hard smash cuts to like, now this is mm-hmm. what's going on. We're completely right. reversing what just happened in the last scene. Yeah, like as as good as the editing is with all of the visions and the hallucinations, yeah. it's like even without that, it's still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then we get his first trip in the tank with the mushrooms, right? Where he believes he is a proto human eating a goat. Yes, and then they just like leave him alone for four hours. When they come back and they hadn't heard from him in a while, they open the tank up and he's got blood all over his mouth. This is where the, the crazy physical, great physical acting yeah. from hurt for all this as he's like writing and stuff like that. Well, um, as he's as he's like he's he's miming that that I that yeah. I want a pen and paper, and then when Balaban's like being too slow, he just starts smacking his his hand as he's doing it. Yeah, very theatery again, something about it. Um Mason and Balaban are giving off a lot of exposition here as they're trying to help him, which it works. It's it's a it's a fun way to do it. Uh but basically they get x-rays taken of his throat and they discover like this they I can't remember what they call it as something like a, it's like a, sack. a sack. Yeah, that is very uh, primate. Uh, right. They give well, it to we get the, John Larroquette, the surprise Larroquette, right? And he says, "This guy it... is a." F- he says, "This guy is a fucking gorilla." Um, yeah. Well, they take it to the doctor, who is the uh, guy from the Police Academy movies. Oh, he's like I've the dumb head of that. the school. Oh wow! Uh, he's just—he's got such a great voice. But then, yeah, this guy's a fucking gorilla. Oh yeah, I love when they ask him. I had to write down his name because it made me laugh, and I assume it's John Larroquette actually, because Mason is like going off about mm. like how you know it's where he gets all his qualifications. He's like, I'm a practicing oh. doctor, and like, yeah. Oh, I got this. I got this for later, so don't worry. Okay, good, good. So he takes it to uh, he's he asks the 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 guy who took the X-ray. It's like, who's reading radiology right now? It's Doctor Wiesenschaft, like the. Like, yeah. Apparently that's John Larroquette's name, which is just a great choice. Dr. Wiesenschaft. Um, Eddie says that he regressed to a quasi-simian creature while he was in the tank. And that's what they were hearing. They were hearing him just make like ape noises at a certain point. Right. Um, he, uh, he, he said he had temporary aphasia. All he could do was yes. like, click and whistle. Right. Uh, and that the blood on his mouth was from the goat. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in the shower, he starts seeing insane bumps appear on his arm. This is where 
Well, it's a I little. Had... It's he's he's uh, in bed with the. Oh, student. in bed. Yes, in bed with the student. They have yeah. separated. Emily has been in Africa with the children for a year. Yeah, and he's like having more like after effects. Like he's in bed. He sees his arms start kind of pumping up. Um, right. And that's like a really cool visual that like we'll keep doing throughout. But then yeah, he's in the shower. We get that really nice like view of his buttocks. Mm, and then choice. we go down to the the gorilla feet, <laughs> which is great. And it it is one of these things like at times you could really have it like, well, is this happening or is he just hallucinating? Yeah. And they kind of they kind of give it more of like it is actually happening and I think I would have preferred it if they had maybe been able to like stretch that along a I little mean, bit more. He he is 100 yes, exactly. They reveal fairly fairly quickly and in such a shocking manner. Nope, these are not hallucinations. He is actually doing this. Yeah. Well, I guess the idea is that they are hallucinations, but he's he's so tapped into this primordial force that he's, he's able to make it, it. right. Which right. is interesting. I mean, like, God, it's fascinating. And maybe I'm just, I am just, I, look, I, I, I mean, if you've listened, if people have listened to the show enough, I've got a bit of a stoner energy to me sometimes. So I understand that this sounds insane and, and stupid, but it's like, hey, we are 99% chimpanzee. Like we are like nearly identical on a DNA level. There's so, there's really so little difference between us and our ancestors Combined with the idea that, you know, there are people like schizophrenics who can weirdly manifest these things, these changes, physical changes in their body based off of a fractured mind state, right? Of an altered state or whatever. Fucking, You like, put those two ideas together, a man turning right, into a maybe. chimpanzee, like, uh, yeah. Like, you have all these ideas of, like, the Shaolin monks or whatever, like, they can, like, actually yeah. change the temperature of their body. Like, they can... Oh, yeah. Uh, decide that they want to stop their heart beating, and then decide that they want to. Because I mean, start there beating. are there are things in your brain to control all that. So being yeah. able to like tap into it willingly, it's not that far fetched. It's a real thing that can happen. And so this idea that like, well, all the DNA is inside of us to express a chimpanzee, but it's just all turned off. What if we just turn that on? You know? Yeah. Um. So it, it's a fascinating idea. Like. It does make sense in some weird metaphysical level. Like, we're all made of the same stuff, and we have a control over it. Like, our yes. atoms are six billion years old. Like, like you said right. in that scene. Like, there's a lot of memory in all of these things. Yeah, and it, again, it feeds into that Jekyll and Hyde idea too. Of like, even the design of the chimp, which we get to pretty soon. I'll just we'll get right to it. Um, well, Emily comes back from Africa, and he's yes. like. I, you know, they've been patronizing me for, for months now. Um, I really want to do it again. I want you there. And she's like, okay, yeah, but, like, hold off a little bit. And he just can't do it, so he goes right. and, like, gets in the tank himself. It's, it's, like, another, this, it's, a, it's another smash cut to, like, it happening, right? Right. To him just yeah. being in the tank, yeah. And I this is kind of the weakest part of the movie for me. Well, I don't know, but, like, man. <laughs> I want to like it. But it just, it's a little long, it's a little I, drawn out. We spent a long time with it, but it's so bizarre, and it so much becomes a different movie for a while, where it is just this interesting idea, this, it becomes this weird man-at-a-time story, but it's yeah. also that Jekyll and Hyde moment, like, I haven't seen the old, like, black and white Jekyll and Hyde, there's a lot of old Jekyll and Hyde movies, but there's one in particular that's a very famous design, 
where he's got the big kind of like fangs and the super hairy oh, sure. face. And this right. looks so much like that. And it's this idea of out there when he's describing it later. So again, watching this twice when I was watching the second time, I had his description of it later where it's like my only instinct was to survive. All I could think about was like eating, drinking, you know what I mean? Like then sleeping, like he's completely operating on this primal instinct. And then he says, it was the most supremely satisfying time of my life at the end of it. Like, which is so funny to me. Um, the time he spent as a proto-human. <laughs> right. It, this is basically where they took Dr. Jekyll and Miss Hyde. If you remember yeah. that great movie with Sean Young. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of, I love the way it's shot, though. And I feel like the per- physical performance by a guy named Miguel Gaudreau, uh is really good. When he's running around with the dogs, and then just the way that, like, he's when he swings up into the ceiling in the boiler room, like, that's fucking mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, uh, just like another Lara Kett movie we watched, Cat People. Yeah. They that's go right. to the zoo and then are interacting yep. with, you know, those animals. Yes. Oh, man. The part where he's, like, slapping, he's like, he fucking hits an elephant in the face with, like, a yeah. rock. Yeah. Well, the rhino. I, it's funny. Like he jumps into the rhino enclosure, and he's like, "Oh shit, I gotta get out of here." Yeah. And then like chases the the sheep or the goats or something, and then Kills it's great one. that like right he like eats it, and then just uh, I guess goes to sleep, and then the yeah. police arrest him. But it is like another hard cut to him getting released from jail. Yes. Um. Pretty wild. Uh. Can you imagine, just like, I mean, because he's ostensibly, I mean, he's famous in the science world, right, in this movie. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, if you imagine, so you hear a news report of a famous scientist, like, broke into a zoo and killed and ate a sheep, like, naked. <laughs> like, I'm having trouble thinking of a famous scientist right now, but it could happen. Well, just like, I, uh, well, I was thinking of, like, the volcano people, but they died. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. What what if it was like you know what if it wasn't a, a scientist but like Spielberg like you yeah. like oh Steven Spielberg <laughs> was randomly like in the Bronx Zoo mm-hmm. naked in the otter enclosure or did something you know, like that about those lava those volcano scientists did you know Werner Herzog also made a movie about them last year no yeah I have like, to check that out there was Fire of Love but there was also a Herzog movie about them I think I could huh. I think I read that right, All right. um. Maybe he he did it a couple of years back, but yeah, um, but yeah, I I I really enjoy how this whole sequence plays out. Though it's a weird indulgence, I will say, because it is so long. But like, I don't know, it's fascinating and strange. You know, like William Hurt just becomes an ape for for a period of time. Maybe if it had been William Hurt, I might have been a little bit more into it. Yeah, right, right. Like it is obviously not him, but. Uh, and so afterwards, it's pretty much them, like, deciding to do it again, right? Like, they're going to record it, like, yes. uh, for posterity with, with everyone, with Mason, Balaban, and Emily as well. Yeah. Uh, I will say, I want to go, just the last thing about this ape scene. Um, uh, John C. Lilly, who was, like, a, a professor and, and, like, leader in a psychedelics research world, uh, somebody who experimented a lot with all sorts of different hallucinogenics and substances to try to, like, essentially do what Jessup is doing in this movie, like, achieve some sort of higher consciousness, whatever. He also taught a lot of other, like, leaders in the field and stuff like that. Um, but he was asked about this movie in 1983, 
And he said, the scene in which the scientist becomes cosmic energy and his wife grabs him and brings him... Oh, I said a little later, sorry. Um, As for the scientist's regression into an ape-like being, the late Dr. Craig Enright, who started me on ketamine while uh, taking a trip with me here by the isolation tank, suddenly became, quote-unquote, a chimp, jumping up and down and hollering for 25 minutes. Watching him, I was frightened. I asked him later, where the hell were you? He said, I became a pre-hominid, and I was in a tree. A leopard was trying to get me, so I was trying to scare him away. So, based on a real transmogrification into a chimp. Interesting. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> when he's in the little cube thing, like when Mason and Bowman are talking over each other, yeah. that they talk about is like, he's he's basically blacking out. And that, right. that's what they need, the real sensory deprivation tag is like, I, I know that like I'm being shot millions and billions of years through time and space but like i i don't remember any of it and that's what we need the the tank to like break through this blackout so then i can actually consciously experience these things and that's what turning into the ape and everything is right exactly yes uh (laughs) it's so it's so weird see i just love that that's we can there's a sentence you can use to describe what happens in alter states uh and it and it makes sense Hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah and earlier when uh mason is talking about when they're like bringing up the sensory deprivation tank to him for the first time he's like oh like leary and all those other gurus in the 60s like he yeah you're saying people have tried this and they haven't done anything so you guys are just again going over tired ground the slight research I did on John C. Lilly as like a leader in this in this thing, he taught Leary. He was like okay. his teacher. So um that's so his opinion on this stuff is a pretty trusted source in this field at the very least. I can't remember how much of it I went into, but in the electric Kool-Aid acid test, kind of part of the, the book is uh Ken Kesey getting all these people on the, the school bus and they're going to Timothy Leary. And then they mm. get there, and Timothy Leary's like, yeah, I don't really want to hang out with you guys. And just, like, <laughs> tells him to, like, kick rocks, basically. Anytime I, I they, any, they said Leary once or twice in this, uh, and then reading it, and then you saying it now, I just keep thinking of Dennis Leary. Uh, nope. <laughs> nope. But so it's pretty much like we're at the last experiment, yeah. right? Mason, but Mason, there's a great moment, great shot, where Mason is at the door, basically saying, like, you need help, and... She's saying, like, hey, don't you want to hear Mason's objections or whatever? And the, that great shot of him, again, backlit, but this time he's all in shadow, where he's, like, standing at the end of the hall. It's a complete inverse of his uh, his introduction. Um, but he's like, you know, we all know what Mason's uh, objections are going to be. But yes, and then they do it again, even with all of this stuff, like, hey, you're fucking with danger- dangerous cosmic forces here. We're all terrified you're actually correct, and that's why we shouldn't proceed you know but then just again yeah. smash cut everyone like well but we have to make sure it actually did happen everybody <laughs> like, even though- is like hey you should do this you should you can do it like i'm not going to yeah. stop you completely but we should do it properly like battle bands like let me get a better delivery system mason's like let me test it out like let's find out a half-life of it right we don't know how much how much of it is in your system and if it will ever actually leave and Emily's just basically like, I don't want to lose you. Right. Like, if you if you go too far beyond the Black Rainbow, we may mm. never get you back. Yeah, but she's also very interested in the type of person that would want to do this, yes. i.e. him. So, like, she's going to let him go through with it because 
it's part of what makes him fascinating to her is his drive and like passion for this. And I, I think it's around this time too. She gives that big speech to Mason about how she feels possessed by him, and that's why she can't stop. I, I think that's afterward. That's after that's all after, of this, okay. and, there, and that's that one long shot. Yes. In the okay, so uh, they do it again. Uh, this time they're all there, and he starts screaming. They start seeing him transform on the screen. We've seen this once or twice in Visions, but his head is like bulging and like yeah. changing. Um. The the screen uh, is blinking all sorts of colors, and Balaban is like glued to. It. That's what yes. I really love. Can't look it's away. Like, like he yeah. cannot look away. But then there's like so much psychic energy that gets released from it. Like the TV explodes. Right. The he whole passes tank out. Just like erupts. Right. Mason kind of throws Emily out of the room in time to keep her awake. The yeah. tank sort of explodes. Not before she um she sees like a beating heart inside of it through the metal. Which is yeah. a pretty cool visual. Um, we just see a crazy, like, worm-like creature with Eddie's face screaming in a void. Uh, one of my favorite shots in this thing. We get neon shapes flashing. A vortex appears in the middle of the room. Just, like, a literally a pathway into, like, the primordial forces of the of the universe. I, yeah. I don't know how else to describe this thing. It's just, she like, goes into it. smoke. Yeah, we just it's... see a bunch more, like, splotchy colors, like, kind of swirling around. You know, yeah, I don't know. Like she, I think she doesn't like go into it. Like she pulls him out of it. Like she's there by the end. She, she, she interacts with it in some capacity, right? Yeah, but Um, he's basically becoming a single-celled organism, or like the potential of life, almost. Yes, the primordial (laughs) ooze, and then that she's able to like pull him back out of it. Yeah, to be a, a regular human being. There's a great line from Russell in an interview I read where he says, Patty's hallucinations were impossible to film. He'd write a direction, something like interstellar gas shot through five million miles of universe like a puff of cigarette smoke. And then Chayesky would get mad when he wasn't adapting that right. <laughs> like- <laughs> it it really is like, as, as I was watching it, I was like, well, this is very much a, a Jekyll and Hyde story. But then yeah. this end part is... Uh, directly from 2001 absolutely like, this yeah. is exactly what it's being pulled from without 2001 we probably would not have had the yeah. ending as it is in this movie oh absolutely there's two other movies too that I, I really thought of heavily during this whole thing was um one was videodrome where i had the idea that if this is this is opposite videodrome where in videodrome or this movie we're using natural substances like the the first mushroom to go back through our evolutionary process to discover the origins of life and existence right videodrome is technology going the other direction using technology right. Electrical to advance signals. right yeah. to advance beyond our current human state into the next form and what that yeah. is going to mean for society uh that's a you lot know, of Cronenberg is 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 the oh, yeah. evolution of man. Like what's the what's next coming step next, right. for man? Right. Yes. Uh oftentimes using like slither I think is something uh, slither shivers. shivers. Shivers is like, you know, kind of that's the that's his oh primordial soup one too. We're getting back to a base state of just you know, we're going to reproduce any means possible and that's the point of, you know what I mean? That's kind of his like regression movie a little bit. Um I think all of them have some element of this, but yeah. But the other one I thought was From Beyond, which is a pulp take on this. This idea there's these cosmic energies around us we're going to tap into through science and 
it's going to be a sort of, you know, Lovecraftian horror show because the forces beyond our existence are beyond our comprehension. And there's a reason we don't interact with them, you know? Uh, yeah. So uh, it's a little too dangerous. Exactly. Honestly. Yeah. And like I said, that's the pulp version where there's monsters living in in-between spaces. This gets to that a little bit. Like, that worm creature with Eddie's face is a From Beyond thing, basically. You right. Know, it's like but Dr. From Beyond Pistorius. is, like, so sexual as well. Like, they're sex uh, yeah, I monsters. Mean, this one this one is pretty heavily sexual, too. But yes, they're... Exactly. That's the other thing about that one. Um, so, <laughs> great moment then. Yeah, this is where we have the amazing shot from outside the apartment yeah. lots of great lines from from her from eddie from emily here she says what happens to eddie is that he consummated with god that they all saw him actually achieve sexual satisfaction with the universe itself which is a hey, fucking hey. crazy way to look at it and yeah. that's how you know you're doing it right i guess <laughs> gotta take some notes <laughs> like shit but she said basically he's jealous because he's never loved her and uh, the way he loved the universe at that moment, which is a wild perspective on all this. Uh, this is where we get a lot of yelling over each other with Mason and Balaban. Yeah, um, Balaban's like, I've been mopping up that yes, for three and I, hours. And I want to know what I'm fucking mopping up. fire. Yeah, yes. just his delivery of that. I'm on fucking fire. I understand you don't want to talk about this. Mason's yeah. like, let's do anything, anything else. And it's like, it's so consumed Balaban's mind. Like, he has to get to some sort of, like, the understanding of what happened. Right. Uh, and he, But he wants to bring in, and he said, even after all that, he wants to oh, bring right. in student volunteers. Student. Yeah. <laughs> Which is insane. You watch a man implode <laughs> implode into a <laughs> vortex, and he's like, well, let's get some fucking students in here, some broke We'll start them off on a small amount, and then we'll gradually increase it. Yeah. Let's see what else uh, we can do. <laughs> but they leave, and then it's, uh, it's uh, you know, William Hurt and Blair Brown, and he's kind of saying, you know, I love you, but I don't know if that's enough. Right. Really? Uh, like you saved me, but I don't know if that's enough well, to, he, to save me forever. Yeah, he basically says he saw the he saw the first truth, and it's nothing. Yeah, that there is no first truth. That basically life is an accident, right? And it is just suffering until you die. He knows the last word. Now he knows the first, and the first is nothing. It's, there's just nothing beyond that void. Beyond that black rainbow is is black. Another black rainbow. Yeah, hey, exactly. Hey. So he's like, well, I'm fucked up and I'm never going to be right again. This has broken me and I wish I didn't do it. And he walks in the hallway, starts screaming. She comes out to find him growing lumps in his face, changing again, going back into the worm creature. He's having, you know, he's got, we've all been there. We've had those highs sure. where you, me at least, I, I come up. I'm no longer human. Yeah. Exactly. I come upon an in some sort of really bad psychological intrusive thought, and then in my waking life, the rest of my life, that's going to be in there, and I might just remember it out of nowhere when in the middle of a work day and be like, yeah, it's fucked up, you know? Uh, and, and then as your girlfriend touches you, she becomes enveloped in, like, primordial <laughs> energy. Yes. Uh, she becomes a flaming rock woman and starts screaming. She becomes the cover of a Tribe Called Quest, you know, that the, the album cover. <laughs> That's what she turns into. She um, looks like a mix between uh, Johnny Storm and The Thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Oh, that's a great way to put it. Uh, he starts to worm out, but he starts smacking himself into the walls, and each time he does, he changes forms. He becomes human again. It's great. He, it, like, he kind of like, you know, slaps himself so cool. out of it. Yeah. Because it's like the weird, like, color scheme that's happening to him. Yeah. And then the editing is He's very staticky. Like, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes he'll, like, for, a, for like, a split second, he's regular William Hurt, and then he's the worm monster. And eventually, <laughs> like, he hits the wall enough. Like, I feel like this is what scientists do from now on. Like, oh, they, yeah. They have, like, a before a breakthrough, they're just, like, smashing drywall. Yeah. It's like me if I'm sitting down too long and I, I <laughs> my leg falls asleep, I have to, like, stomp. And, ah, yeah. Ah, you know, yeah. And then he, like, you know, <laughs> he comes back to the other end and then saves Emily. I mean, it's a bizarre thing. Of, like, yeah. he goes to hug her. We get, like space child kind of orb and then things. their their clothes explode and they're naked well they were both nude i i believe no, I, th- in, I think they were it. oh you're right they have sex they have sex sli- between this yeah i don't think they have i sex, think it's implied she's sleeping nude. well it could be because she's sleeping nude and has like a blanket on her and then as they're like hugging it is from behind so like you get this reconstitution and then it's just butt yes right there on the screen and it's a yeah it's a pretty nice butt him yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he's holding her, and we go to a close-up, and he says, I love you, Emily. And then credits. Credits. Beautiful. Uh, it, made me, it made me think, is the, the infamous line in Lost in Space, I love you, wife, is that a reference to Altered States? Uh, maybe. <laughs> well, the only the only quote I can remember from that is, through Blart? the planet core. Oh. Okay, yes, right, right. Spiders. Uh... <laughs> uh what's the what's the month fascinating movie blarp blarp Blarp, of course how could i forget blarp Uh uh-huh uh so what do we we kind of have a blarp we kind of maybe blarp is a reference to altered states we have a we both have a blarp energy our blarp and the doc and william hurt everyone on on screen at the same time in that movie (laughs) is he regressing in the blarp Hmm. It's like you've never seen them in the same place at the same <laughs> yeah. time. Like oh. as soon as as soon as Blarp exits the room, William Hurt walks in, yeah, <laughs> like putting his coat on. Like, yeah. Uh, what do we want to rate this out of? I had a couple thoughts. Oh boy, uh, first flowers, crucified isolation tanks, <laughs> crucified spider goats. That's a pretty good one too. I think I might have to go crucified spider goats. All right, um, you're the host. Yeah, boy, uh, how do you fucking summarize this thing? This is insane. When I first watched it, I feel like uh, the odd pacing of it and the strange editing sort of threw me off. Um, in, you know, when, especially when combined with a lot of the uh, the trippier elements of this movie and the very like heavy subject matter it's playing with, the, literally the origins of existence and why any of this is happening, and uh, you know, genetics and anthropology and psychology and um love you know the reason we we love anything and each other and how it affects us and fills in this infinite void that we didn't think could be ever filled uh it's fascinating and like obviously like it's i don't think it's perfect there are problems like we mentioned it's extremely overwritten and i think that's almost unavoidable when you're talking about a movie with such crazy concepts like this that you have to like somehow verbalize to the audience 
Um, but they I, they actually managed to dramatize that stuff really well by having Mason be a certifiable fucking lunatic. Um, and by having Balaban be so, like, you know... Kind of meek? I, meek in, in the all? way he's presenting it. And kind of, like, matter-of-factly, like, shrugging, like, returning yeah. my returning my, uh, my science partner into an ape. Yep, that's what we do here. And we're just going to observe how that happens and, you know, uh, work on a grant proposal for it. Like, it's... I love the way that it has this strange attitude about it. Um, it's not that much of a horror movie. It is. And the score frequently leans into, like, the horrific elements. But I wouldn't ever say it's scary more so it is just, like, really interesting, you know? And it does get you kind of thinking about scary things a little bit. About, like, infinite voids beyond life and stuff like that. But, like, it, it also just kind of feels like... It's just interesting. It's a very fascinating movie. I'm going to give it four stars. Four stars? What the fuck am I talking about? Four... I don't know. Uh, crucified spider goats. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I I think you hit exactly why. Like, it is a... Well, body horror is usually what it yeah. is under. But, like, it, it what's scarier than the unknown? And that's what this movie is coming up against. Like, what was, what was before man was man like how did we get to this point i've always thought it's a very interesting theory of that like the reason you know we became homo sapiens is that like there was some sapien along the line that ate mushrooms and that kind of expanded their consciousness the stoned ape theory yeah right like i i've really kind of uh always enjoyed that since i've heard it and like that's that's the way for us to like ascend to our next uh, evolutionary journey is to do a bunch more drugs to try to change our consciousness to expand what is reality to us and that all yeah. these schizophrenics like you know all the shaolin monks or whatever is like we can control our physical reality through will alone and right. that will actually change the like chemical structure the physical makeup of what we are like that's again pushing it to the very extreme right but but then it's I, a very fascinating thing and then this movie is injecting the concept of love into that where right. emily's emily's love and her will to love uh eddie as much as she does and how that f- has changes on them and on, on the universe and perception of things like you know that, that is yeah. just as much a factor as like that drive to go backwards and de-evolve or whatever like you know. well, to the idea of like it, of us trying to find purpose in life, and we get yeah. to the actual end of it, and we're like, "Oh shit, there is no real purpose." Like that's that's why all of these people pray to God and Jesus, right. to to Muhammad or whatever. Like they want an answer to yeah. what it is. They want a truth. And even and coming in, in... up against the fact of like we don't know the truth. Yeah, and even in that regard, the way this movie plays with that stuff and how that is a like an element of it is like the death of God, because I mean he he mentions that he was religious until he was sixteen, saw his father die in front of him. the The way they correlate the dad and the Christ figure, you're sacrificing this this thing that is we're taking God out of it, right? We're yeah, obscuring that idea, and we have to kill that part of my mind to to move on and move into the next stage. That's also symbolized by. The crucified goat. I think that's what it's supposed to be. Is this religious figure that we are sacrificing. That's what humanity did. I mean, there's a great... Oh, God, I'm going so many crazy places with this. But uh, uh, Zizek, you know Zizek, the the critic and no. philosopher? 
Slavo Z, I forget his first name. Great movie though called The Pervert's Guide to uh per- Pervert's Guide to Cinema, is that what it's called? Pervert's Guide to Movies. But documentary just about this this um film critic and philosopher named Zizek just talking about different movies and how they relate to his philosophies. And he talks about Catholicism as uh, a, an atheistic religion because we literally killed our God so that humanity could move on. Like, that, yeah, that is his view it. of it. His view of it is that God is saying, okay, I'm killing myself. I'm, I'm manifesting myself in human form. I am dying. That's what dying for your sins means. That we're taking all of our sins and sin no longer exists because it died with him. The concept of sin is dead. But that message yeah. has gotten warped across time. You know what I mean? Uh, but that's essentially what's happening here. Is that he's killing off that, that side of himself. So he can go further. He can he can then progress to the next stage. So, right. So like as I was saying, like when we, when we find out that there is no purpose, we have to invent the purpose ourselves. We right. have to give ourselves meaning. <laughs> so so I went off such a crazy Emily does. Direction. Yeah, but like yeah. she's like love. Like that's what it's all about. It's about comforting each other. It's about getting us through the night. Uh, to to have more than just the like, I want to eat, drink, and sleep. Like I actually want to provide that, something. That's his other thing is he wants to fuck. Yeah, you know? he wants to fuck. Yeah. But um, I, I think as we've said, like wonderful editing. There's some really interesting creative camera work, especially with all of the the hallucinations, the tripping. But even like yeah. before that, just of like introducing characters or the location, like going into the cave. It's just absolutely gorgeous. There's a couple shots with the um, the mystic, like at, at the next day, like there's a bunch of them in the back, and then there's that main guy up front, and he looks like glazed over. Yeah, but it's kind of funny. Yeah. Oh, uh, when he drinks like, the potion too with his blood in it, and like his face, yeah. like as he's like staring at the camera, is great. It's, uh, man, it's I'm wonderful. Just, like, so Overrated. Yeah, let me go. <laughs> It's it's overwritten, but again, sometimes it's really well done. The acting is phenomenal. I'm pretty much right there with you. I'm at four. Uh, spider goat heads, crucified spider goat heads. Yes, and uh, I will definitely like play this a couple more times before I turn myself into a uh, a worm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I cannot stress the second time. How much the how much I laughed my second time watching this when he turns into the worm thing and I'm like what the I was like how did I not remember this for my first time watching it I just, it was literally like I watched it twice yesterday I, I you know and it's like somehow this didn't land on the first viewing but now I'm like yeah there's a lot of it yeah <laughs> it hits right yeah, yeah. I, I would just say to you as a last final point just I, it is a fast I mean even beyond all of this, this is what's impressive about it too. It's just an interesting character study of a guy that loves his work more than people, right? And coming to an, an end of it, of this long, productive career of being like, what does it matter? Did any of it matter? Yeah. You know what, what I mean? Like, what exactly? What What am I actually? What do I actually care about in my life? You know, that I've devoted my entire life to. It's like your experience with that guy. It's like, well, what the fuck have I been doing this entire time? When I've been fucking watching Cocaine Bear and eating Chipotle. Yes, Jesus Christ. This guy's like, this guy's like, I've been fucking running around as an ape, killing dogs in the street. Like, what is my life? What have I, what the fuck I've been doing? Like, what did that get me? You know. And then realizing that there's this person that is reaching out to him. You know what I mean? That like, 
that cares about him and it's him that that's why ending on that final line is weird it's weird at first i was like mm-hmm. I, I love you emily is the final line of this whole thing but that's a complete yeah. journey because she said earlier he wasn't growth. able to ex- yeah he wasn't able to express that earlier yeah. he knew that she was interesting he knew that she was remarkable he had he knew all those things but he didn't actually know he loved her yet until that final moment um beautiful stuff great stuff I'm gonna well, go 4.2. I'm going a little higher. <laughs> breaking this down, even like this is this will be very similar ideas to the movie we will be watching next week. Yeah, uh, based off of a William Burroughs novel directed by David Cronenberg, we're gonna be talking Naked Lunch. I believe 93 or 94, one of the two, uh, early 90s. Very fucked up. I'm so excited to watch it and talk wait. about this. Would this you, is one of those... Go ahead. I, would you believe I completely forgot this was a Cronenberg, even with all it we is, were talking uh, about like, him earlier? It is. Uh, this another one that, like, it may not actually fit under the horror genre, but there is right. a lot of body horror and horrific things within it. Close enough. Uh, obviously, about a lot of drugs, and I am excited to talk about it. Uh, this is one of those that... Well, I... I'll get into that later next week. So, I'm just so excited to watch a Cronenberg I haven't seen now. I was already excited it's, to watch this, but now I'm like, ooh. <laughs> it's so great. I'm going to dust off my Criterion, going to watch as many special features as I can and give Hell you yeah. a real deep dive into this. Oh, can't uh, wait. Until next time, please always remember to rate, review, subscribe anywhere you get this podcast. We have uh, email weeklypodcastmassacre at gmail.com. We have both Twitter and Instagram, both at Weekly Massacre. So hit us up. Let us know if you have an isolation tank I can come over and use. If you see God when you ejaculate, that'd be nice to know. (laughs) Um, If you have reconstituted after a night on the town, let us know. But until next time, I'm going to show these to someone who can read them right. Because you're reading them wrong. That's all there is to it. Because no one is going to tell me you de-differentiated your goddamn genetic structure for four goddamn hours and then reconstitute it. I'm a professor of endocrinology at the Harvard Medical School. I'm an attending physician at the Peter Bent Brigham Hospital. I'm a contributing editor to the American Journal of Endocrinology, and I'm a fellow vice president of the Eastern Association of Endocrinologists and president of the Journal Club. And I'm not going to listen to any more of your Kabbalistic quantum frickin' dumb limbo mumbo jumbo I'm going to show these to a radiologist. And the beast ascends from the bottomless pit. His name is Abaddon. <laughs> like, oh. I, this movie's great. Love it. Bye, Bye everybody. <laughs> <laughs>